Welcome to Everything Co-op, bringing you information on how cooperatives can help improve your quality of life. This show is being sponsored by the National Co-op Bank, NCB. The NCB is dedicated to strengthening communities nationwide for the delivery of banking and financial services for the nation's cooperatives, their members, and other socially responsible organizations. For more information on the power of community ownership, visit ncb.coop. That's ncb.coop. Now stay tuned for your host, Vernon Oaks. Good morning, everybody. This is Vernon Oaks, and the program is Everything Co-op. We're so glad that you're with us this morning. You know, this show has been on, we've been on almost nine years. October will be nine years. And I was on Pat Thornton's show June nine years ago, a little over nine years. And from that show, we started this show. And Patricia Thornton has been the producer. And you know, the second principle of cooperation is democratic control one member, one vote. And that is extremely important because co-ops operate. If it's a co-op, it operates on the values and principles of cooperation, which is, in this case, democratic member control. So Ms. Patricia Thornton is on with me today to talk about the importance of voting, both in the co-op setting and in the United States. Good morning, Patricia. Good morning, Vernon. I'm excited to be on with you. I'm excited to have you on. It's been nine years. I'm glad that, uh, you're on now. Uh, and, and a topic that we both are passionate about, and that's getting people out to vote. Why is voting so important in your mind? Because actually we live in a democratic country, a, a country that's run by democratic policies, and your vote is your voice. And if you do not raise your voice or exercise your voice by voting, then the outcome is determined by your inaction. And so this year we have 435 seats. All of the seats of the House are up for reelection, and 35 of the 100 seats in the Senate are up for reelection. But all in all, 535 people actually control what happens to you. And a lot of people just don't think that the midterm elections are important, but they're so important because now that all of the power is shifting to the states, the people who are up for re-election and election most of the time, at least the governor, the ultimate decision maker, is voted on during the midterm elections. So I think voting is important as well as the midterm elections are important. Okay, so now it's the midterm elections, and that's midterm because there's no president election. Mm -hmm. Okay, so we're in the midterm, and you say all 435 seats in the U.S. House of Representatives is up. That's every yes. state. Every state uh, yes. have have they? How do they decide on how many? House seats one gets in in the House. How many, each state? How do they decide that? I I really can't tell you the formula, you know, because it's it's two in the Senate. But if you look at some of the states, 
some of the states that are so small have the same number of representatives as a state that's two, three times its size. So it's proportional and it's by district. That's and so they proportion out the districts. And it's somewhat related to the census, which is why the census becomes so important. What I'm saying I'm uncertain of is how they do the math. The mathematics of how they calculate that is rather questionable. Okay, so the Senate gets two per state, but in the in the House, it's proportioned out by different formulas and and definitely tied to the census, which makes the census so important. So, four hundred thirty-five House seats, thirty-four Senate seats are up for grabs. Yes. And right now it's sort of predicted that the Republicans are going to win the House this time. Have oh, I, I, I if I heard that, I wouldn't say. <laughs> well, you know, it, it's predicted that there are enough challenges that may, in fact, become so. But I'm feeling just as confident that the Democrats are not only going to maintain the House, but they're going to gain some, you know, because the number of votes that are cast during the midterm elections are so few, it becomes an exercise of which campaign does the best as opposed to which person. As you see, uh, Herschel Walker is tied with Warnock, and um, Reverend Warnock in, in, in Georgia. And the problem with that is that he has absolutely no experience. But to give you an example, you know, in certain other areas where the Republicans were thought to be in favor, that's no longer the case. Take Maryland, for instance. Well, before you Larry take, Hogan. Before you take Maryland, I'd mm -hmm. like to go on. I have made this statement because I heard it on news last night and today that okay. the, the Republicans are expected to win the House. Okay. And... Therefore, anything that Biden wants to get done, climate change or anything else, he needs to do yes. it now. What will cause the Democrats to keep power or gain seats? If they work real hard and change their messaging, and, I, I, and I'll give you Maryland as an example. In Maryland, Larry Hogan, who has been the governor for two terms, Maryland is a Democratic state. Larry Hogan, who's a Republican has been in office for two terms, very unlikely in Maryland. The person who run the, won the Republican race in our primary that just occurred on Tuesday is Dan Cox. He won the race over Larry Hogan's pick of Kelly Schultz. Dan Cox was supported by 45. And he was just a delegate. He was not very well known, but they, the Republicans do very well in messaging. However, uh, Dan Cox got, for instance, 132,000 votes over the contender of Kelly Schultz with 94,000 votes. But we're running neck and neck. The Democratic side hasn't been determined. What people needed to be voting for in the Democratic side was who can beat the Republican, you see. And so at this point, at least at the point where there was 61 percent of the votes in, Wes Moore is in the lead. Tom Perez is second. 
And Peter Franchot, the former comptroller of Maryland, is third. With those kinds of stats, the person who wins the Democratic Party needs to be the person who can beat Dan Cox. And so we need to make sure that we do great messaging, and that would be a flip. So that would be a Republican seat that was lost. So in areas where we can do well, we need to do well. So you want to change the messaging that will get people yes. to come to the polls? Change the messaging. Oh, you asked for a question. and uh, Yeah, it's change the message. <laughs> <laughs> change the message. So people will come to the polls because my question was, what does Democrats have to do? And let's get more people out to the polls. Okay, that's right. And that, that's why you're changing the message is about getting yes. more people out to the polls. Um, mm, absolutely. And now this is, as you said earlier, this midterms are where people normally don't come out because there's no yep. presidential election. They don't think it's important. So it is extremely important because you just said that you have so many governors. But there's all kinds of seats that are available. You got the 435 House seats, the 34 Senate seats. You have governors. You have all of the different state positions are up. Mm-hmm. And people need to come out and vote for those. Absolutely. All right. Do you have a sense of when you say that Democrats changed the messaging, what kind of messaging you would like to see? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> we need to be talking less about our opposing candidates and more about what has been done, what will be done, and the challenges that we'll face if, in fact, we do not win. And for instance, you know, Roe v. Wade is real big right now. A woman's right to choose, and it's more than a woman's right to choose. And it's very, very clear that because the Supreme Court has now made it possible for states to make decisions about abortion and a woman's right to choose and all of those things associated with Roe v. Wade in the states, Here's another example where your state officials are going to be making the decision. So we need to be saying to all of those people who are upset about that, that you need to make sure that you vote so that we can at least maintain control. Because if you don't, it's going to be even worse. So how do we in the black, brown, indigenous, Native Americans, uh, how do we get people out to vote, particularly we're talking about Maryland. You know, the Democratic Central Committee and the Democratic Party, they need to be out in the trenches. We don't need to just be doing this messaging on the TV. We need to go back to the grassroots. And we need to make the issues count. I work at the polls. That's one of my civic duties. And, you know, I talked to you on that day. And I'm up at, I have to be there at 530 in the morning. And oftentimes we don't get to leave. I left at 930 at night. You can't leave. And it's very difficult. But I had wonderful conversations with people. And there's one guy who said, you know, I couldn't vote for all of the things I wanted to vote for. I had to vote provisionally. And um, you have all this messaging. I'm just talking to you. This is me talking to you. You have all this messaging, get out to vote. But all the other information about how you need to vote, what you need to look out for, and all of those kinds of things, 
is not apparent. So we need to make sure that we give people the information, give people the resources they can go to to make sure that they do what will make their vote count and that they come in as educated voters. I, I kind of stop a minute. You said you were 5.30 a.m. in the morning, so you had to get up at 4, 4.30, and mm-hmm. get there at 9.30, get back home 10. That's a, it's a 16-hour day from 5.30 to so I just want to thank you for your service. I mean, five thirty to nine thirty to to work the polls. Oh yeah. How do you eat? Oh, you have to bring everything because you cannot leave. They don't want anything compromised in terms of information. So you cannot leave. You have to make sure you have everything: your food, your snacks, your everything. Miss mm-hmm. Thornton, thank you so much for your service. I don't know if my body would allow me to do that, but thank you. Thank you for your service. Uh, well, so you really it's my do. My honor to do so. By doing that, you are really committed to to this democratic process and getting folks out to vote. We're going to take our first break, and then I want to come back and talk more about the messages, how we can get that message to to individuals to get people out to vote, so that when you're there for those sixteen hours, you have people coming in to vote much more than came out for the primaries okay we'll be right back please don't touch that dial your news talk station welcome back everybody this is Vernon Oaks and the program is everything cooperative Patricia Thornton is my guest today, and we're talking about the election process. We have 435 seats in the House up this year, uh, this time, then 35 Senate seats, a number of gubernatorial seats, and other states. Ms. Thornton has already said to us that it's extremely important, and we had low primaries, uh, folks coming out for the primaries. So do you want to talk about that, uh, Patricia? Absolutely, Vernon. Yeah, it was a very low turnout this year. And a lot can be said, and I'm, I'm hoping, I'm really praying, that so many people sent in their mail-in ballots that that's why we have a low turnout. That's what I'm hoping. And I know that when you you actually count the numbers, it's still a low turnout because, you know, we're talking about the hundreds at precincts that normally have thousands of people to vote. So I want to give you the the huge difference. And not all of that is made up by early voting. So, I mean, basically, I think that there were a lot of restrictions to voting that also reduced the number of people who came out. There were a lot more requirements for voting and uh, people were turned off by the requirements and some people didn't know. But the biggest reason that a lot of votes aren't counted or they didn't seem to be as many people or as much as an, of an impact as we had expected is because of this redistricting. Redistricting played a large part in 
reshaping and shifting the vote around. And I think people just need to pay closer attention to how to vote and where to go to vote and what they need in the future. So this redistricting was brought about because of the census? That's something that I actually uh, cover quite a bit. Every 10 years when the census comes about, the count is to ensure that we have equal number of people represented in each district. And so it's supposed to account for where people move because over a 10-year period, people move from place to place and the number of people who are represented by any one individual changes in, in terms of trying to keep our principle of one person, one vote. The census is taken to figure out where everybody moved, and then the lines are redrawn to make sure that each district is equal. It's supposed to be lines that are drawn at border lines, like on a boundary that are straight lines. Mm -hmm. But instead, what happens is you have gerrymandering, and when it's time to redistrict, and maybe right here where I'm at, I had 10,000 people per district. And... 5,000 people from my district move somewhere else. So we need to get 5,000 people from another district in here. And instead of drawing a line right down the middle of a street, they go into districts and they gerrymander it so that a certain populace is in different districts to ensure that there's more representative for the favored party. So that's what redistricting is. It's just a reapportionment of lines for legislative districts so that we have equal amounts of people being res represented by our legislative officials. And so what is gerrymandering? Yeah, gerrymandering is when um, you'll see, if you look into gerrymandering and redistricting, just look it up, you'll see that this year, the people who were in charge of the redistricting committees, they drew lines that were in favor of parties that were in power. So if the Republican Party was in power in a particular district, and um, let's say their person started losing votes or being challenged or their offices were closely, highly contended, what they would do is draw the line so that maybe all of the people who would vote against them were in one little small district, and the people who might vote for them, they move over to the district where they're having problems. And instead of having a straight line on a borderline, like in my district, you can be on one side of the street and be in District 6, and another side of the street and be in District 5. And in Woodmore Country Club, you can be on one side of the street inside the country club and be in one district and another side and another district because somebody wanted more affluent people in their district. And so uh, they broke up one more country club so that they can have more affluent people. So there are many different reasons for drawing the lines differently than is usually suggested or recommended, but it's usually to favor those in power. Okay. That's gerrymandering. I wonder if Jerry Mander did that first. How did they get that okay. name? But anyway. <laughs> anyway. Perhaps. Anyway. <laughs> There are 36 gubernatorial seats on the ballot for 2022. Mm -hmm. Going into the election, there's 28 Republican uh, governors and 22 Democratic governors. So yeah, I pulled that up, too. <laughs> 30, I pulled it up, too. 
36 of those 50 governor gubernatorial seats are up. That's a that's a big percentage races uh-huh. going on. And you see, they say that one of the things that the uh, Republicans did a good job of was buying up a lot of the media <laughs> so that they can say and message what they wanted to message. But just as I told you in my district, I, I'm, I'm not just hopeful. I'm confident that a Democrat will win here. That's going to flip a state. All right. And in, in, in Maryland, you're confident. In Maryland, we have a Republican governor and Larry Hogan you know, was very well liked by Democrats and Republicans. But this being as blue a state as it is, it's going to flip back to blue. I'm 99% certain. And so it's going to be one of those three people you mentioned. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, it's not, it's not difficult, but we're not controlling the messaging. We, We may be on MSNBC and a few other stations, but, we're not controlling the messaging. And too many people listen to the messaging, and we have to be aware of that. So the Democratic Party and the central committees, they need to get just as much messaging out about Democrats being in favor as the Republicans are doing. Okay. All right. So on this show, I'm wanting us to make sure we get people out to the polls so you've already mentioned Roe versus Wade, women's rights to choose and have control over their bodies. I have it for me that climate control is big on on for me. That's a big another big issue. Okay. What about for you? What what are some other issues for you and you think that would make a difference that we have to get the message out on? Voting rights. Voting rights is is a huge concern. Primarily, primarily, my number one is voting rights. And the John Lewis bill, you know, everything that deals with with uh, voting rights and all of these rights that are being taken away. So I have it that any group of people in power, there's two things that they want to do. Make sure you don't vote, can't vote, and that you're not educated. And that's what's happened to black Americans, brown Americans, indigenous people, Native Americans in the U.S., that we were not given the right to vote and we were not, it was uh, illegal to teach us to read at some point. Mm -hmm. Uh, So those are the two things that people seem to do. That's why it's so important that we have the choice, we have the chance to vote, that we get out and vote. Because the man doesn't want us to vote. He doesn't want us to have a voice. You, you said that voting is your voice. They don't want us to have a voice. But it's to get really intelligent about what the issues are. Voting rights, Roe versus Wade, climate change. What are the other issues that are important to you? Understand those issues and then go after and vote for the person that's going to make those issues happen the way you want them to happen. You know, when I think about the ability to vote and that right being stripped away from so many people, it just sickens me because in at least three dozen states, their voting rules have changed since the 2020 election. And the 2020 election, because of COVID, many restrictions were, many rules were put into place to make it easier for people to vote. And 
36 states have changed their rules. Do you know that in Rhode Island, you'll need your mail-in ballot notarized and signed by two witnesses? Two witnesses, yep. yep. I mean, some of these restrictions are so prohibitive for people who are elderly, for people who are afraid and compromised. Uh, have compromised systems and don't want to be around a lot of people when we should be increasing access to voting it's being decreased in maryland we used to have two weeks for um, early voting that's been reduced okay we've got to take a break (laughs) your news talk station welcome back everybody this is vernon oaks the program is everything cooperative Ms. Patricia Thornton is a guest today. We're talking about voting, the importance of voting. You know, you were talking about the uh, the restrictions that these states have put in place. Three dozen states have put restrictions in place. And you were talking that Rhode Island says if you have a mail-in, you have to go out and get it notarized. And there's a fee for that. Or you have to have two people witness your signing it. So this this really bothers me when I talk to particularly a young black person, but any black person that we we have had voting taken away from us and down there doing it again in different legal kinds of ways, that frustrates me to no end. What do you think about that? I think we're about to go back to having people count how many jelly beans are in a jar. Yeah. You know, I mean, this is the new jelly bean count. And uh, we just find the most vulnerable places, uh, not we, but those who want to restrict voting find the most vulnerable places for people and they enforce rules and regulations that are just hideous and heinous. You know, I mean, for Stacey Abrams to have been in a state where Kemp was, was in control of purging tens of thousands of names from the voting registers and it was okay. And he was running. How crazy is that? So yeah, I'm 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 a little I'm a little crazed at the the amount of of ability the 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 the, the power that's given to people to just do things that are just totally illegal, and so I just I don't I don't understand it. Well, that's really against a democracy uh, for Kemp to be in that position. I thought they were going to take him out, but they did not. They let him stay in, and so that's how he. That's how he got started. That's how he won the election. But that's how he got the election. That's how he stole the election. And exactly. So in this cooperative world, you know, it's the first principle is open to everybody and anybody. Anybody who wants mm-hmm. to join a co-op can come in. The second principle, as we said, it has to do with democratic control. One member, one vote. And what I like about the fifth principle and what attracted me to co-ops in the first place was this whole education. It's training, education, information. So in this cooperative world, you find that voting is critical and education is critical. And that's why I, those are reasons why I like it. There's a bunch of other reasons like anybody can join. And that would be nice if the U.S. was like that, that it was one member, one vote. We don't have Citizen United where people can buy votes where education is extremely important. We still talk about that, but we find out for poor people, it's hard to get a good education. It's hard for their children to get a good education. 
So we'll talk about education is important, but we still don't put those things in place. And the same thing for voting. I get really pissed, and I really want to see how we can get people out there to to vote, how we get more and more people out to vote. And if that's changing the messaging or um, buying up more blocks of the media to, so we can get people out to vote, how would you do it? What would you say? I would go back to the grassroots. I think former President Obama had it right. You know, he went to a stadium, you know, told everybody to take out their cell phones and started a revolution of, 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 of new thought and everything right there in a huge stadium. All they did was take out their phones and they were connected. Connect right now. You got tens of thousands of people around, you know, thousands of people around. You tell them, do this. And I think what we have to do is start meeting young people where they're at. And we need to bring the young people in. We need to bring a new body of folks in so that they can reach their constituents in a way that people can hear. Okay. And I understand, Denise, what is your comment or question? All right. My comment is that this is a very critical program that you have today, number one. And number two... It is extremely important that we have people to get out to vote. But we also need to make sure that we have politicians who care about the people and not power. We have too many states. We have too many state representatives. We have too many people in power in this country who are still holding on to some old ideas, who are refusing to change, who want to just continue to keep people in the dark. They continually lie to people when they get in office. They do just the opposite or what they have done in the past. And so what we need is to have people who are honest, who really care about democracy and want to give everyone an equal opportunity to be successful in this country. And it looks like where we are now, when you talked about Stacey Abrams and Brian Kemp and the nefarious way in how he was able to maintain office, and keep Stacey out of the governor's mansion, then I just think that what's happening is you still have the South. Many, many of the southern states are still trying to hold on to the practices that they were involved in during slavery or when they had enslaved persons. And there's just this complete desire. The way the narrative is treated or presented is different, but it's the same old idea. Let's keep people yep. ignorant and down and out of an op- and, and not have an opportunity to be successful. That's my concern. And young people today need to understand that it's important for them to get out to vote and let, make their voices heard. Because if they don't, they're going to we're going to move back almost 100 or more years. Thank you. for Thank taking you. Our call, and I'll continue Thank you for to coming. Listen. Thank you, thank you, thank you. You just, you just said very succinctly how I feel. And if anybody else has comments or questions, you can call 800-450-7876. Thank you, Denise. Have a good day. You too. Ms. Thornton, basically, Denise, summarize what we said and, and really encourage young people to get out and vote so it won't take us back 100 years because in the South, the politicians are um, – was not only the South, but particularly in the South, the people over power. They go after power and not for people. Uh, so she was saying the same kind of things that we were saying. 
Yeah, I do think that she hits the nail right on the head because I was looking at some of the other restrictive policies that are put into place. And if we don't have the power, we can't make these restrictions. In Connecticut, do you know that you must be ill, disabled, or traveling to vote absentee? And there's no early voting, all of which makes voting harder. Okay. Do you know that in D.C., though, Muriel Bowser made it such that everyone in D.C., if you're a registered voter, received an absentee ballot? Yes. And I got mine. Okay. So now, now there's a way to determine if somebody tries to come into the polls. You know, our adversary said that, oh, that's horrible because a whole bunch of people will vote twice. No, every vote is calculated and counted to ensure that there's no double voting. It may take an extra step when you do your counting and your tabulating, but the voter machines, the EPO books will automatically say who voted because it will be registered. And so if you really want to make it easy for people to vote, you will. But if you're not in power, you won't be able to make those decisions. And that's why I love the fact that Stacey Abrams went and, and registered, what was it, 800,000 uh, voters. <laughs> and so you go and flip the script. What President Obama did was he went and registered a whole bunch of new voters. He got them revved up. And that's what we have to do. We need to get people energized. The knocking on the doors, the grassroots work is what I've heard you say, and uh, the message, making sure that the messages will resonate with the people you're knocking on the doors with. Okay. Oh, absolutely. But we have to meet them where they're at. I um, had an article yesterday. Um, those of you who don't know, I, I, I actually have a show on WOL on Wednesdays, the Thornton Business Hour, and I was talking about a barber shop, I mean, uh, actually a social work professional, who started training barbers in counseling. He trained thousands of barbers in 40 states in counseling, not to make them therapists, but to help them because all the folks come to the barbershops to talk. He grew up in a barbershop with his aunt, and he noticed that all these black men were inside the barbershop, and they were spilling their hearts out. And barbers are probably better therapists than many therapists because they have to do it every day 20 times a day but he thought it wouldn't it be good when he had a student who he couldn't reach that mm, it may be good to kind of get him in a different setting and so today those barbers now know how to notice and detect when someone is seemingly a little off in their spirits and and they now know how to refer them to the proper resources. And so I think we not only have to go and knock on doors because I may not open the door when you come to my door because I may not know who you are. But we have to start going to the community centers and going to the barbershops and going all over wherever these young people are and and getting them where they're at. Getting them where they're at. Got to meet them where they are at. Absolutely. So I really go back to you spending from 5.30 in the morning to <laughs> 9.30 in the evening. So I've got to get out and do some work, too. I have worked the phones every now and then, but I haven't 
knocked on any door. I don't think I'll do that right now because of COVID. Yeah. And my age, I don't think, but I'll get on the phone to talk to people. Mm-hmm. And the question. And, and it, yes, it's anything that people can do. People do things in their place. Wherever it is that they are, that's what they need to do. That's what I would say. Well, the other thing I've done and encourage everybody to do is talk to all of your family members. Make sure that they're going to vote. Give everybody the right to choose whomever they want to choose, but make sure they go vote. And you could have conversations about which of the candidates that you think would do the best for that family. Okay. Who will do the best for that family? Mm-hmm. You said Ward Mason, Tom Perez, and a third person for the governor of on the mm-hmm. Democratic side for the governor of Maryland mm-hmm. against That's Westmore, Tom Perez, and Peter Francho of Maryland. Of course, the the problem was there were about ten people, nine people in the race, but those are the top three contenders. Yes, but that's against Dan Cox, who's Trump's mm-hmm. pick, Trump's choice. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. So it's going to be one of those against. So you got to get out and vote, everybody. Yes, we do. Yes, we do. We're going to take our last break. That hour goes by very quickly and see what else we can do to try to get people to vote or work the polls or get on the telephone, go knock on your doors, talk to your family members. Let's get people out to vote this time. I would like to have more people than in a general. We'll be right back. Welcome back, everybody. This is Vernon Oaks, and the program is Everything Cooperative. This program has been brought to you by the National Cooperative Bank. They've been our supporter, and Cabot Cheese has come on this year to support us. NCB's mission is to support and be an advocate for America's cooperatives and their members, especially in low-income communities, by providing innovative financial and related services. So we want you to get out and vote. Get out and vote so that you can choose people that will create policies that are best for you and your family. We haven't talked about Medicare and health care, which is so important. We haven't talked about housing, which is extremely important. Housing is one of the determinants of health. So, Ms. Thornton, we pay taxes. We hire people by voting it's the way we vote to get the politicians in place and they decide what they're going to do with our tax money and i'm wanting to see more tax money going to help those 47 percent of americans before covid that didn't have 400 dollars. 47 percent of americans did not have 400 dollars. help them with housing help them with health care help them get jobs jobs is another extremely important uh, but jobs that are meaningful jobs, jobs that will pay a decent salary so people can live and work and be happy. How do they find out who are the candidates and what their platforms are? Well, there are several resources. Of course, we are everything co-op, so we'll direct you to vote.coop. And on August 18th, by the way, um, Someone from vote.coop, Laurel, will be on 
to talk about all of what vote.coop has in terms of resources, but also um, I used to work for AARP for 10 years, and AARP has a resource now, and it's uh, AAR, you just go to AARP.org, uh, and you can have the resource. It's AARP.org front slash elections, and they will tell you some of everything. You can put in your address. They will tell you for the by state what races are on the ballot. For instance, for Maryland, and and the, we just had the election. They update this daily. I picked this up on yesterday, and from Tuesday's election, we already had that the governor election is up, and they already had that Dan Cox had won, and the Democratic race is not decided yet. The U.S. Senate offices is open. Um, we have U.S. House, eight seats, the Senate, all 47 seats. So these state are state House, seats. All, okay. Yes, okay. state Senate. State Senate, all 47 seats, and state House, all 141 seats. So in Maryland and the Maryland Court of Appeals, now can you see the importance of this? All of the seats are open. Usually an incumbent has the you know, has the advantage, but these seats are open. And so people need to be making sure they vote for the right candidate. When you go to vote.coop, you'll be able to look at the candidates. On AARP sites, you'll be able to find out how to register. You'll, you'll find out how you can get in your mail-in ballot. You'll find out if you can vote in person before election day, when election day is. All of this is available by state. And so it's really wonderful, for instance, in D.C., the mayor's race is open, attorney general, D.C. council wards one, three, five, and six, the delegate in Congress, one seat, and the shadow congressional delegation. Now, you see, you can simply find out about these races by just going to that AARP site. And you can also look up, for instance, the new redistricting plan. In Maryland, we had a redistricting plan that was highly contested. They have links to it. Anything you need to know, if you go and do your research. When I was young, I used to have to go to the library. Just go to aarp.org um, slash elections or go to vote.coop. Okay. So I went to aarp.org. Org? Well, yeah, front slash election. Well, I just went to AARP.org, and then I clicked on governance and elections mm-hmm. uh, in case I didn't remember that backslash election. Uh-huh. Okay. And then because I am originally from West Virginia, and I, I am totally against Joe Manchin's positions. Uh, he is a Democrat in a Republican state, and he acts more Republican than he does Democrat in terms of what he's for. I wanted to see if I could see if he's up for election, and I can call people I know. But everybody I know would not want to vote for him. But I can call people in West Virginia to try to see how to do that. So, and it, yeah, this is a AARP is a great piece. Thank you for that. Mm-hmm. Thank you. You're welcome. So getting educated is critical so you know who to vote for. And how to vote and to know what restrictions are going to be placed on you. Because if you don't know that um, early voting has been reduced, or I was election judge, so I have to vote before I go to the polls. 
and they reduced the amount of time that early voting was. And so if you don't know that, then you can be out of luck. So knowing those restrictions is very important. Some people can't drop off their mail-in ballots at their polls. It's just so many things to know. But you, you have resources to know now. Okay, you can go to vote.coop to get information about the candidates that are running. You can go to aarp.org backslash elections to understand all the information about your state, who's, what positions are open, what, how, what's early voting or not, um, so you can get all of the information. So get educated. That's the fifth principle of cooperation, knowledge, information, education. Get educated so that you can go out and cast your vote, which is the second principle of democratic control is voting. Now, I have it through these interviews that we've had over the last nine years that cooperators get out and vote because they know the importance of voting. Have you heard that when you listen to these tapes, too? That cooperators can what? They get out and vote. More oh, so yes. than oh, yeah. more so than the general population. Absolutely, because cooperators in your training, you're taught to be community-minded. You're taught to contribute to the community in which you are to serve your community, and then you become a part of the fabric of the community, and you want the best for the community. So the natural progression is for cooperators to then become politically active. That's why that's why sometimes they're a threat <laughs> to the establishment because they change things for the better. I have one point, though, Vernon, if I may. I just found something. In D.C., you can text D.C. votes to 22777, and you'll receive a one-time text message with a link to the D.C. voter information. So if you want to find out about the D.C. voter information, just text D.C. votes to 22777. And you know what's funny? I looked at where they send you to. Guess where they send you to? AARP. <laughs> okay. So that's the resource. You can just go to AARP, too. So I heard once, I read once, that a politician is somebody that solves community problems. They create laws, policies that solve community problems. But that's what co-ops do. Co-ops are formed to solve community problems. Cooperators solve community problems. And it would be really, really interesting if politicians would take the cooperative training to learn how to communicate and work together to solve problems. you got a minute or so left, Ms. Thornton. What, what would you like to leave people with? What message? Well, first, Brendan, I'd like to thank you for allowing me to have fun and be on the show with you. It's one thing producing the show, but uh, another thing to be with you. So I enjoy that. I just want to tell people to vote. Make sure you become an educated voter. After you get the names, go look them up and uh, just be a part of your community and know that your voice and your vote does matter. Voice and vote does matter. Get out and vote. Get the information. Know who you are electing and what they stand for. Wonderful. And if you don't, and things keep going the way they are, then America is headed for trouble. I mean, it got rid of Boris Johnson over in the U.K. We didn't do that with Trump. <laughs>
-hmm. We didn't do that with Trump. So we have a lot of work to do here in the U.S. to really be a democratic country where all men and women are created equal and treated that way. It's an experiment that we have not succeeded in yet. Thank you, Ms. Thornton. Thank you so very much for being on. Thank you for your wisdom. This is the first time in nine years. Let's don't wait nine more years to have you on. Let's find this next other topic that we want to talk about. Okay? Thank you, Vernon. Thank you so much. Everybody out there, we'll see you next Thursday. Please live cooperatively and vote.